The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and uh, this week we have a special guest, Beth Koblaner. Uh, who is the author of a book called Get a Financial Life. First came out in 1996. Uh, the third edition has just come out. And welcome to the show, Beth. Great to be here. Beth and I were on the staff at uh, Money Magazine <laughs> for many years together and uh, both written some books, and this will be interesting. This is really a book about uh, personal finance for people in their 20s and 30s. Just tell us a little bit, Beth, about the, uh, the beginning of this book, why you did it, and what's happened uh, since you first came out with it. Right. Well, at the time, back in the late 90s, there wasn't really any books that were geared toward young people, how to get out of debt and how to start to save and invest. And, you know, the book took off and did very well. Um, And then this year, uh, actually last year, I was going to revise it because I thought, oh, it's just time and it needs new updates and websites and that kind of information. But then, as I was doing it, the financial world fell apart. And I realized it had to be totally rewritten. So the book now is really kind of recession-ready for young people. You know, the same the general principles being the same, but right now young people are carrying massive amounts of debt, more than they were in the 90s when it comes to student loans and credit card debt. They're afraid of 401Ks because they've heard that their parents have, you know, lost half the value. Um, and there's just a lot of challenges that are facing young people today. Um, the toughest it's really been in a very, very long time. Tell, tell me a little bit more about that. How has the recession and the market downturn and the housing crunch and all that particularly affected young people compared to how it's affected their parents? Right. Well, when, when you look at even just unemployment numbers, you know, the national unemployment, the new numbers came out last week, it's 8.5%. Well, for people in their early 20s, it's 14%. So unemployment is really high among young people. Um, and we're talking college grads and people who didn't go, you know, get out of college. For people who don't have as much education, it's even worse. But I think this difficult job market combined with the incredibly high debt loads that they're carrying on Average young people are graduating from college with $20,000 in student loans and $2,600 in credit card debt. And, you know, these are young people who were given credit cards when they were freshmen in college. They didn't have jobs. They didn't have any income. And they piled on the debt. And, you know, I've been interviewing people. I've been sort of going to colleges during my book tour and talking to young people who have tens of thousands. You know, one person had $150,000 in student loan debt from um, undergraduate and grad school, and they're reeling. You know, they're worried that they're, you know, those who have a job, one guy who was coming out of law school, he was worried that his job offer was going to be rescinded because it's such a tricky time. And so when you add up the, the massive debt loads with the unemployment, um, it's really a, a sort of disastrous situation for young people who are just graduating now from college. But what you're saying in the book is that if you do it right, you actually can do quite well despite the environment. Is that correct? That's right. I mean, you know, there are some basic things that you need to do to get a financial life. Um, It's, you know, paying off those high-rate, you know, trying not to get into high-rate credit card debt, but a lot of young people are. So what are the smartest ways to pay off your debt? You know, if you have thousands of dollars in credit card debt and tens of thousands of dollars in student loans, you know, there's sort of tricks and strategies for paying it off in a smarter way. Um, You know, and sort of the whole question of a 401K or should I buy a home? I think if you do those things right, I mean, I really believe you don't really have to spend your life reading the Wall Street Journal or, you know, sort of spend, devote your whole life to personal finance. But you do have to kind of set up a few things right when you're younger. And if you can do that, you will be way ahead of the game. 
Uh, tell people if there's a website or some way to get in touch with you or what kind of community is created around this book. Right. Well, my website is getafinanciallife.com, or you can just send it to me at bethcobliner.com. And, um, you know, I'm taking people's questions and we're doing money makeovers. And, you know, there's just a lot. I think there's a lot going on now, and a lot of young people are really responding because there aren't too many places for them to turn right now. I mean, rightfully so. A lot of the attention has been focused on people who are near retirement, who see, you know, their their retirement funds dissipate, and now they're really worried about what are they going to do. Well, young people, they don't have that problem, but they have the sort of problem of how do you get started when it's such a difficult time? And, you know, articles are being written about, you know, you sort of assume, oh, is it, isn't it, aren't the people who have been in jobs for a long time being fired and replaced by cheaper, younger workers? But that doesn't seem to be the case in this recession. It seems that basically no new people are being hired. And, you know, companies are trying to hold on to people with experience and people um, in their workforce if they have to keep just a couple of people. So it's been a very, very difficult time for this generation, but there are steps they can take to get a financial life. What is your sense of financial literacy these days? There's been a lot of effort and talk about making people more literate, so by the time they get out of college, they know what to do with their 401ks and so on. Are, are you finding that there's more financial literacy uh, events and so on going on in colleges and even high school or, or less? Maybe slightly more, but I have to say it's kind of appalling how little young people, you know, people are, they don't learn it in high school, they don't learn it in college, and they get out from college and they're sort of thrust into this world and they may have all kinds of knowledge, you know, liberal arts education, which is great, but they don't have any practical knowledge. You know, I spoke at Harvard last year, and I would get questions like, how do you get a loan to rent an apartment? Or, you know, I, I have, you know, people viewing their credit card debt as like an account. I have a savings account, a checking account, and a credit card account. That's, and people just having no sense of the very basics of personal finance. And I think that, you know, as a nation, if we're going to, move ahead and not get into these problems, I think we're going to really have to educate people, particularly when you're thrusting these financial products like credit cards at young people who have no experience at all and have no idea what to do. Indeed. Uh, let's start with that, uh, which is dealing with debt. That's your third chapter, uh, finding the best loans and getting yourself out of hock. Uh, what are some of the first things people should be doing uh, to make sure that their credit is in good shape and they're on the right track and not getting into credit card debt. Right. Well, the first thing is you want to look at all your debt and pay off your highest rate debt first. I've heard all kinds of things where some people say, oh, pay off your smallest balance first because psychologically you feel better, but it doesn't really make sense. The goal is to pay as little interest as possible on your loans. So you look at your loans and you say, first of all, what is, how can I make this lower? Can I call the credit card company and ask for a lower interest rate? And even in this tough environment, credit card companies are lowering the rate. If you call and say, look, I can switch to a different card at whatever the rate is, you know, the national average is still 14%, which is insane since all other interest rates have come down. But credit card interest rates are still really high. Ask hey, can I get an 8% rate or can I can move to another card? Would you lower my rate? And if you're a good-paying customer, you know, on-time paying customer, there's a good chance they will lower your rate. Um, or if you have a few cards. You know, I recently interviewed a young woman who had a couple of credit cards. One was 16% and one was 6%. And I just explained to her, call the one that charges you 6% and see if they'll do a balance transfer. Can you transfer your high-rate debt to your lower-rate debt? That basic step can save you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in interest. So you want to get the lowest interest rate possible. If you have any savings, I always urge people to use that savings to pay off their debt. They often feel like, oh, I don't want to waste my savings. I, I built up a couple of thousand dollars. You know, isn't that a waste? But the, I, the idea is if you're earning only 1% or 2% on your money in a savings account, but you're paying out 14% in interest, that doesn't make sense. So you want to use that savings to pay off your debt, and if you don't have savings, pay just 10, you know, pay, even if it's only $10 more than the minimum, that makes a huge difference. You know, there's all those examples. If you owe, if you owe $1,000 and you only make the minimum monthly payment, it would take you 15 years to pay it off. But if you pay just $10 more than the minimum, it would take you closer to four years to pay it off, and you'd save yourself $500 in interest. So 
paying more than the minimum, you know, trying to pay off the high-rate debts more quickly. So I'd say that's the first step when it comes to your credit cards. And as far as monitoring their credit and knowing what their credit score is, that's pretty important too, right? That's a huge one. And I have to say, that's the one area where college students, I've been surprised how much they know about credit scores and how eager they are to know about them. Um, So I think credit scores are incredibly important to learn about. Okay, we're going to go to a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and my guest this hour is Beth Kobliner, whose uh, third edition of the, her book, Get a Financial Life, is just coming out. Uh, she has a website, getafinanciallife.com or bethkobliner.com. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. The violent crime rate has begun to rise again. So what's more important than feeling at ease and secure in your daily life? With an optimistic perspective on a sober subject, crime prevention and personal safety expert Susan Bartlestone brings you the information, tips, resources, and inspiring success stories that will reduce your fear and restore your confidence. So stay tuned and stay safe with Crime Prevention 101 and Susan Bartlestone every Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, here on Voice America. It'd be a crime. I'm not to listen. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Beth Kobliner whose uh, third edition of her book is called Get a uh, Financial Life. Uh, it first came out in 1996, and she's updated it for the financial crisis we're underway with now. Welcome back to the show, Beth. Hi, good to be here. Let's talk more about uh, debt, particularly credit scores, you were saying. What should young people do to monitor their credit scores and to get their scores better than they may be if they've got errors on them? Well, the interesting thing is a lot of young people ask me on my book tour at colleges about their credit scores. So they realize there's a score out there that affects their entire financial life. Um, the thing you should do, first of all, is get a copy of your free credit report. Everybody can get three um, the, their credit report from the three credit agencies, um, and you should get that at annualcreditreports.com. That's the free one. Um, just make sure to just order that um, because it can be a little bit confusing about what's free and what's not. But by law, you're entitled to get a free report. Unfortunately, not entitled to get a free score. So you can um, go. There's a website, Credit Karma, creditkarma.com, which doesn't give you your actual FICO score, the actual score, but it will give you a rough idea of what your credit score is. Also, for about $17, you can get your FICO score 
um, on myfico.com. And the one thing that's good about this site at uh, myfico is that they have a calculator that you could then use to say, oh, gee, if I increase, you know, if I get another credit card, what will that do to my score? Or if I pay off this debt, what will they do to my score? And the bottom line with credit scores are you can't be late. And that's something that nobody really explains carefully to people. But if you, you know, even just are late on one credit card payment, what could happen is everybody knows, okay, you're late on one credit card payment, you're hit with a you know, ridiculous $30 fee. But beyond that, it results in your interest rate on your credit card going up, but also the interest rate on other cards you have can go up because it, it reduces the credit score that you have. And if you're late just once, you can see your credit score drop by 100 points. And if that happens, you know, if you go to apply for a mortgage, for example, instead of getting a 5% mortgage, you'll get a 6% mortgage, which doesn't sound like a big deal. But on a you know, $300,000 home, you're talking about an extra forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 in interest. So the bottom line is you can't be late. And the way to avoid that is automatic bill paying. Sign up for any way you can to have your bills pay automatically. Um, it will save you so much um, trouble down the road because you won't be hit with fees and also you won't ruin your credit score. So I think there's an easy fix for that one, particularly for younger people. Signing up for automatic bill payment makes the most sense. Indeed. Let's talk about student loans for a little bit. Um, sure. uh, there's a big proposal to change the whole student loan system uh, basically to have the loans come direct from the Department of Education. That hasn't happened yet. What is the best way for people to get student loans today, and, and what kind of rates should people expect? Well, the um, student loan, the Stafford student loan, the government loan, the subsidized Stafford student loan is charging a rate of 6.8%, which is a lot better than credit card interest rates. Um, and the the interest you pay on your student loans is deductible up to $2,500. Um, so that's another advantage of student loans. So what a lot of people do is they graduate from college, say they have on average $20,000 in student loans and say $2,600 in credit card debt, and they're so nervous about the large amount of student loans they have, the number is so big, that they're very eager to pay it off as quickly as possible. But once again here, the the... the key is to pay the highest interest rate first. So if you have a credit card that's charging your rate of 14% and a student loan that's only charging you 6.8% and you're having trouble paying both, what you might want to do is stretch out the term of your student loan, go to the student loan loan agency um, or whoever is giving you your loan, the loan servicer, and ask if you could stretch out the term instead of paying it back over 10 years, you pay it back over 20 years. That will cost you more interest in the long run, but what you're doing is reducing the amount you're paying to the student loan company each month, and then you use that extra cash to pay off your high-rate credit card debt more quickly. The other big thing is for grad students, there's a new kind of um, grad uh, federal program called Grad Plus, which is a real great deal for grad students in that they don't have to sort of resort to private loans. Because that's what happened a lot in the last 10 years. Colleges were so expensive that people would max out of the federal government loans they can get. And then on top of that, they had to get these very expensive private loans um, from the banks, which were much, much higher interest rates. So if you're going to grad school, you want to make sure to get federal loans. And for anybody going to college, you know, there's a lot. It's very confusing for people, but you have to fill out the financial aid form so that you max out on the federal student loans that you are eligible for because the interest rates are lower. Yeah. Well, you talk a little bit about some of the special breaks for those who serve uh, to be able to have less student loans. What are some of those ways of doing that? Right. Well, if you, for example, um, join the Peace Corps or, I mean, to start off, if you're having trouble making, you know, paying those student loans, there are ways. You shouldn't just ignore them. Um, you should see if you can get a deferment um, because there are special deferments if you lose a job or if you don't have income um, or if you can't get a deferment, if you don't qualify it because there are federal rules attached to them, then you can see, contact your lender and see if you can get forbearance which basically means you don't have to pay the interest. The problem, the sort of downside of forbearance is the credit card company will charge you interest. Um, so it's best to see if you can qualify for a deferment. But basically, if you 
um, or a teacher in a particular area um, with lower income students or if you um, teach, if you work in a school um, designated low, you know, for low income students or if you work in public service or you join the Peace Corps or you work in health care particularly in certain areas um, or if you, in, you know, list, um, they're all offer you ways to get breaks on your student loans. There's a really good website, signaid.org, and it's all in my book, you know, all the different sort of options, or studentloanborrowerassistance.org. And both of those will give you a clear sense of the um, special breaks that we, you might qualify for. I've actually heard that the, uh, some of the Sally Mae loans are going to have to start being paid while you're still in school, and there's going to be no forbearance or six months after they're going to actually have to start paying them while in school. Had you heard about that one? I haven't heard about that. And, yes. I, you know, I'd be surprised just because maybe it's some of the private loans. I mean, the federal loans, I think they're so designed so that, you know, to pay them back while you're in school would be extraordinarily difficult since you're a student, not right. an employee. <laughs> so I'm not really sure about that. I haven't heard about that, and that would really surprise me if that were the case. But there might be instances, you know, the problem with these private loans, not only are they more expensive, but, you know, lenders can be more aggressive about them. And, for example, you know, with your student loans, the interest rate is 6.8%, and that's the rate you pay. With a private loan, if you get out of school, you know, it all it has to do with your credit score. If your credit score goes down, they could increase the interest rate on your private loan. So it's really it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing for young people to sort through. But the, what you really want to do is, you know, again, focus in on paying off those higher-rate debts most quickly. You talk in your book about the student loan scandal. Why don't you mention briefly what happened there and what has been the impact on that on the whole student loan system? Well, what happened was um, that basically when you go for a student loan, you can go to a variety, you can go to any bank. But what the bank is doing you is giving you when you're looking at federal student loans is the Stafford student loan, and that has a fixed interest rate. But some colleges were sort of encouraging people to go to banks that the college has cut a special deal with. So they weren't necessarily looking for the bank that had the best, the best sort of deal, fewer fees for people, but instead they were steering um, students and their families to lenders that might have, you know, given them all kinds of fancy bottles of wine or all-expense-paid junkets or all kinds of things to drum up business. So it was, it was really distressing to a lot of families and, you know, the general public to find that out because you sort of think of an institution of higher learning as a place that, you know, they're there, they're providing a service, and hope, hopefully the financial aid officials are helping you get, get, your, you know, get yes. the best deal around. But yes. it turned out that wasn't the case. Um, and so it's just sort of the classic... As a consumer, you have to be aware. You have to know what you're getting. You have to comparison shop, and that's the case for any kind of loan you get. So there were a lot of people fired and things changed. How is it different now, and can you trust your college uh, loan office more because of uh, what happened in that scandal? Yes, I think there was, you know, certainly when light is shined on any kind of scandal like that, things improve. Um, But, you know, the best advice is if you need a student loan, you want to max out of your federal student loans, you definitely want to talk to your financial aid officers, you know, most of whom are good and they're, they're people trying to help you, you know, to get loans so you can go to college. Um, and I think the most important thing is to make sure that if you're, you know, getting financed to go back to school, you want to do your homework, get shop around, go to a few banks, get a second opinion before you sign up for that loan. Okay, you talk also in your book, and again, I'm speaking with Beth Kobliner, whose book is called Get a Financial Life, her website, getafinanciallife.com. Uh, you talk about car loans as well. Uh, now, with all the trauma that's going on in the car industry these days, uh, how have things changed as far as the kind of car loans people can get, particularly younger people these days? Well, I mean, it's actually interesting because car loans right now um, are very attractive. You know, a lot of the car companies are offering 0% interest. Now, five years ago when you'd say, oh, 0% interest, there was always a catch. You know, the interest rate went up after six months, and you'd have to have a perfect credit score to get it. But because these car companies are so desperate, some of their credit financing arms are actually offering rates of, you know, really low rates. So if you are going to buy a car, you definitely want to shop around to get a really good deal on financing. 
And younger people can get it even if they don't have a long credit history? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you don't have to have the absolute best credit anymore to get. As long as you have decent credit, you can probably qualify for one of the lower interest rate auto loans. So that's definitely one. And, of course, when you add on top of that, the stimulus package says if you buy a car, it has to be a new car, unfortunately, not a used car, because I really recommend young people buy used cars. But if you do buy a used car, maybe you're, I mean, a new car, if your parents are giving you a graduation gift or whatever it is, then you or they can deduct the state and local tax that you pay on that car on your tax form. So that could be a few hundred dollars savings in addition. Very good. All right, we're going to go to a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and my guest this hour is Beth Koblaner, uh, who's come out with the third edition of her book called Get a Financial Life. Her website is getafinanciallife.com or bethkoblaner.com. We'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. What are the do's and don'ts when it comes to solving personal foreclosure? With over 2,700 foreclosures daily, what can you do to ensure the housing crisis doesn't hit home? Tune in to Foreclosure Exposure Radio with host Carla Duglin. This show will give you steps you can immediately use to save your own home and credit. Face and conquer foreclosure issues before they affect you. Listen for Foreclosure Exposure Radio every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Beth Kobliner whose new book is called Get a Financial Life. It's actually the third edition of her book, which came out originally in the mid-90s. Uh, welcome back to the show, Beth. Great to be here. Thank you, Jordan. Let's talk about investing for young people. It's been a, a scary market the mm-hmm. uh, last two or three years here. Um, how, how can people start getting investing when they're so scared of what's going on out there? Right. Well, I think the number one thing to remember is your 401K is still a great place to invest if your company offers matching, because that's a no, you know, that's just a no-brainer because if you put in a dollar, if they put in 50 cents, that's immediate 50% return on your money, and you can't get that anywhere. It's really the best investment. In fact, it's better than even paying off your, it's the one thing that you want to do before you pay off your high-rate credit card debt. If you have matching, put money in. And I have to tell you, you know, a lot of people have said over the years, oh, if you're in your 20s, put 100% of it in the stock market, and I've never subscribed to that. And I think that if you're super nervous about the stock market right now, even if you're in your 20s or early 30s, I would say 
make the most of that matching. Put the most you can up to your company match. And then if you're really nervous, put it into money market fund. You know, put it into something really safe for the next year because it's such a tricky, treacherous time out there, and nobody knows what's going to happen. Who knows? We might be on a rebound. That would be great, but nobody knows. So I say the most important thing is take advantage of that free money match. Now, you talk about uh, inflation and how to worry about inflation. If you have your money in a money market fund earning 1% or something like that, you're not really going to stay up with inflation. What can people do to invest to keep up with inflation? Right. Well, if it's if you're looking at, like, the short term for this year, I mean, a money market fund is basically just paying you inflation. And then after taxes, of course, you're doing a little bit worse than that. But if you're looking to preserve your money, I think this sort of very – short-term here and now, people are very nervous about putting into something and losing half of it in a year. So I think, but if you're looking for the long term, you're looking over the next 20, 30, 40 years, and of course that is the benefit of being young. If you're putting money away that you're not going to touch, plan not to touch for 20 or 30 years, then most experts still agree that over long periods of time, stock mutual funds tend to outperform safer investments. Um, But you know, there have been long stretches of time. There have been 10-year periods when stocks have underperformed or 15-year periods. So, and you think we're in one of those right now? Nobody knows. I have no idea. But I, and I think nobody knows. I think, you know, people who pretend they know are just pretending because nobody <laughs> can say. But I do think that if you're looking over 20, 30 years, putting it into some stock mutual fund, but I'm a real advocate in minimizing your expenses because that could make a big difference. You know, going with some sort of index fund, or the average expenses are 1.5% for stock mutual funds. So going with something like a you know, Vanguard index fund that's 0.2%, you can save yourself a lot of money. Um, so how, how do you like index funds versus exchange-traded funds versus ETFs? Yeah, I like index funds, I think, just over the long haul. You know, it depends upon, there are certain situations where an exchange-traded fund might be good, but I think that when you're looking over the long, long periods of time and sort of putting in a set amount every month that the index funds, mainly offered by Vanguard because they are the ones with the lowest expenses, lowest fees, that really is probably, for most people, their best bet. And then you talk about inflation-protected bonds. Do you like uh, Series I bonds and tips? And when would I those be do. I mean, I bonds are terrific right now. They're paying, I think, like 5 5.5%. Unfortunately, the rate's going to adjust next month. So at that point, they're going to adjust. The, the nice thing, just to explain to people what I bonds are, are basically they're like the old-fashioned EE savings bonds, but they have a little kicker to them. They adjust for inflation. So as inflation goes up, um, your I-bond interest rate goes up. Right now it's paying 5.6% through April 30th, but, you know, once that new rate kicks in, it's going to be much, much lower since interest rates, you know, inflation has been so, the, um, the, the rate has been so low. So I think I-bonds are good. Um, I think that for most people, when it comes down to sort of what are those short-term goals, is it to buy a house in a year or two um, or three Unfortunately, there aren't any great alternatives that give you really high interest rates, and the point is you want to keep your money safe. And I would say, you know, CDs and money market funds and, you know, trying to find, you know, go to bankrate.com and try to find the best, highest-paying, federally insured CD that you can get is a thing that will preserve your capital. You know it'll be there. One nice thing about I-bonds, though, is that they're free from state and local tax. So that's sort of a little benefit for people, particularly if you live in a place like New York City where the, the state and local tax are so high. And the same with tips, right? Because tips, tips are, exactly. are tips very are similar to treasury bonds. Again, they're paying, you know, because they adjust for tips or treasury inflation protection bonds, they're very, um, the appeal of them is they're, when interest rates, um, when inflation increases, they stay up with inflation, but right now they're paying such 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 low interest rates. So it's just a calculation of whether you think we're headed toward more inflation or deflation. You know, nobody nobody really knows. Um, but I always have liked those again because you get that extra benefit of being free from state and local tax. You have a section in your book about socially responsible investing. That's probably of more interest to younger people today. Uh, in the long run, is there a penalty for uh, restricting your choices to socially responsible companies, or does it tend to work out better? 
You know, it's funny because there have been so many studies looking at this, and some say, oh, it's better to invest with socially responsible um, socially responsible funds uh, because in the end, the companies that aren't being sued, that aren't doing all these bad things, they're the ones that are going to do better. I think the jury is still out. I mean, honestly, I think the most important thing is if it's important to you and it is to a lot of people to go with companies that, um, you know, base their decisions, mutual fund companies that base their decisions and they have something called a socially conscious fund. One, it's important to know what they're socially conscious about and to make sure that makes sense to you. And two is to go, you know, get one with the low expense ratio. Um, like Vanguard, the um, they have the FTSE social index fund. The expense ratio is 0.24%. So it's basically, you know, you want to go with one that has low expenses so that you can invest socially consciously but also not pay a huge amount for it. All right, I just want to go into another topic, which is housing, and uh, your chapter is called, Oh, Give Me a Home. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, you could say the housing market is a lot better for younger people now because prices have come down, mortgage rates are their lowest in 50 years, the so-called affordability rate is up. Um, so is that true? Is this a good time for people to be buying a home if they're younger today? You know, it's interesting because it is. It is, and we're seeing first-time home buying surge because the interest rates, like you say, are so low. I mean, you could get a mortgage for 4.5%. Do you ever remember that in your lifetime? You know, I don't. So it's a really great time, you know, in terms of low interest rates. Now, you do need to have a good credit score. Unlike, you know, in 2007, the average down payment people made on a home was 2%, and, you know, people were getting home loans with, basically not having any job or income to speak of. Now banks are, you know, for, for, for good, are cracking down and making sure people, you know, have the income to pay back their loans, but they're getting a little, with the credit crunch, you know, it's getting dif- very difficult for people to get a home loan. But you can, um, if you can qualify for one, if you have the down payment, um, it's a very good time to buy a home if you're going to live in that home for a long period of time. I mean, if you're looking at it as an investment, and you feel like you'll maybe sell it in three to five years, forget it. Because nobody knows what's going to happen to home prices. And particularly young people, you know, it's so common to buy, want to buy a studio, apartment, you know, a tiny little apartment. But then in two years you get married, and three years you have a kid, and before you know it you have to sell. And there's no guarantee that's going to be, it's going to be a better, you know, you're going to be able to sell it for more than you paid for it at all. So I think it's a great time with interest rates being low. Um, but you want to make sure you're going to be buying a home that you're going to live in for a long time. And, of course, one nice thing is the stimulus package. For people who buy this year, you get $8,000 tax credit, um, which is always a nice, you know, it's an added And, and that's just credit. for first-time home buyers, correct? That's for first, that's actually, it's for new home buyers who haven't lived in a home in the last three years. Yeah, but most so, young people, that would count for that. Right. Yeah. So, so if you take a home, how, but then you rent it for five years, you can qualify for. So explain for how that works. You you buy a home and you get an eight thousand dollar credit on your tax return. Is that the way it works? That's right. And so that should help people. It's not as though they're putting eight thousand dollars in cash into your pocket that you can use for a down payment or something. You kind of get it back later. Right. You right? get it back as a tax credit, exactly. But I think it is you know pretty attractive for people who are. You know, they're, they're nervous about buying a home, and I think the, the, the low interest rates for sure offer a huge, huge incentive for somebody who thinks they're going to buy a home. And, of course, now we're also seeing home prices drop in various parts of the country. You know, some areas like New York, they haven't dropped all that much. In New York City, it hasn't been that dramatic. But it probably is coming. It just hasn't happened yet. But in other parts of the country, you know, Florida, you've seen, you know, homes selling for you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars less than they were selling for a couple of years ago. So that, coupled with the idea of staying in that home for a long time, can make it very attractive for people to buy. In addition to that $8,000 credit, are there other things in the stimulus package or some of the new programs that will help young people to buy homes? Um, as far as I know, that's the biggie. I mean, the $8,000 credit, because, it, you know, again, it's just cash. It is cash in your pocket after you make that purchase. Um, But I'm not really aware of other ones. I mean, the big one we talked about before, the other sort of attractive one for younger people is that um, the car purchases are free from state and local taxes. And also, um, you know, everybody, of course, is getting that $400 
check back right after tax time in in pieces in pieces thirteen dollars a paycheck or something exactly right okay Uh, again this is jordan goodman of the money answer show and my guest this hour is beth kobliner whose uh, book is called get a financial life her website is getafinancialife.com or bethkobliner.com and we'll be back after this It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Looking for a good time? We've got a show that will give you a wild ride. This show will make you feel good. And it's not even bad for you. You need your time to let loose. It's time for a feel-good party. Pull up to the computer, mix yourself a drink, and turn up the speakers. Happy Hour is here. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. It's called the biggest radio show in the world. Hosted by international personality and pundit Michael DeMarco. You don't know what's coming next. The biggest radio show in the world on Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Beth Kobliner, who's just come out with the third edition of her book called Get a Financial Life. Welcome back to the show, Beth. Great to be here. We want to talk about insurance a little bit. Uh, a lot of younger people think they're invulnerable and you know nothing can go wrong with them, so they probably don't have enough insurance. What are some of the, the tips that people should have in life insurance and health insurance particularly? Right. Number one is health insurance. You absolutely need health insurance. One in four young people don't have health insurance, and it's a, it's a huge problem because if you get into some horrible accident or you come down and you're, you're sick and you have to go to the hospital for any reason you will not only bankrupt yourself, but also your family probably and your parents. So you really want to make sure to have health insurance. Ideally, you get it from your job. But you know, a large percentage of jobs that people get don't offer health, ins- health insurance. Um, so you want to see if you're right out of college, see if you can be covered under your parents' coverage. Um, you may be able to in certain states, New Jersey, if you can be covered under your parents' policy up to 30 years 30 years old, so that's something to look into. Um, one thing I tell young people to talk about with their parents, that if, say, I met a young woman recently who said her parents were paying her phone bill, her cell phone bill, but she was really worried about getting health insurance, I'm like, ask them to pay for your health insurance, and you pay for your phone bill. You know, <laughs> often if you have parents who are able to, you know, in many parents don't have the money, but if they do, that's a good one to ask 
for. Um, and if you can't afford that, or your parents can't afford that, look into catastrophic health, the sort of short-term, high-deductible, temporary health insurance. You go to ehealthinsurance.com, and they offer, you know, it's not a policy that will cover you for every doctor's visit, but it will cover you if you have major, major medical bills. And how about HSAs, health savings account? Does that make sense for young people? Yeah. You know, all those things add up if you can have a health savings account or, you know, they're all different different ways to, you know, smartly save money. You know, if you have a flexible spending account, you can use that to help you save um, for things like contact lenses or, or glasses or any other medical procedures that you might or things that you might need. Um, so it's important if you have a job to look at all your options. You know, that's the place to start because a lot of people don't have no idea what their company is offering them. So make sure you're taking advantage. Also look at the different health insurance options your company might be offering you. There might be one that, you know, is a lot less expensive and you think that might be good, but maybe when you have a family, that's not really what you want. You don't, you don't want something, you know, that limits your choice so much. So it's really it's important to look at all your different choices because as, of course, health insurance costs have been going up so dramatically in recent years, employees are paying a larger and larger chunk of that. And it can get expensive, but it's also a necessity. And if you work on your own, you don't have a company, or your company does not offer you health insurance, which is very common these days, should you join an HMO or do a preferred provider organization, PPO, what would be the best way to get health insurance? Right. Well, the good news, if you work for yourself, you can get a tax break on that insurance, whatever kind you get. But it really depends. You know, it used to be that the less expensive option was the HMO, and that was the way to go. Now that's not the case anymore. So you have to... You know, it's like everything else, shop around. The good news is there are a lot of um, websites that can, you know, offer you various choices to look into it. If you, we always say the old advice is if you're, if you're, say, a writer, see if there's a writer's guild you can join or if you're an actor or some sort of trade association or an alumni association because the, you get a better deal when you get a group rate usually and you get better coverage um, at a lower cost. So you want to shop around and see if you can get, um, you know, a, a good deal that you can actually afford. Let's talk about car insurance. We have this whole section on that, uh, particularly younger people who, uh, they, I guess, under age 25, they think they're all hot rodders and are going to give them high rates. What are some things people can do to lower their health insur- their auto insurance costs? Right. Well, it's interesting because when it comes to auto insurance, you know, getting good grades, if you're in school now and getting good grades can, can result in lowering the cost that you pay for auto insurance. Seeing if you want to be covered under, your, again, your parents, um, policy uh, that can, or some sort of family policy. Um, there are all kinds of things, you know, again, shopping around, making sure you can get. I mean, I find auto insurance one of the more interesting ones because you can find, you know, a 20 year old person living in Chicago, for example, could pay as little as like $800 or as much as $3,000 for basically the same amount of auto liability protection. So when it comes to car insurance, you must shop around. Um, and then you talk about uh, homeowners insurance as well, uh, particularly catastrophic insurance. What are some things people should look for in the home insurance? Right. Well, the big one I find is when you, when you buy a home, you need a mortgage, um, and so you're required to get home insurance. But the big thing for young people, people in their 20s, who are many of whom are renting, is they don't get any insurance because they, they don't really think about it. But tenants' insurance, renters' insurance, is actually very important to get, and it's also more affordable than you might think. So, um, you know, in addition to protecting your possessions, if you, you know, get robbed or things get stolen, renters' policy also offers you some liability protection, both actually inside and outside your home. So if somebody slips and falls in your apartment, then your renter's policy could actually cover that person's medical bills. Or even if you, you know, uh, have an accident right outside your home, it can cover it as well. So I think renter's insurance is a very important one. And the good news, it's really not that expensive, but it really can pay. And then you talk about life insurance. Younger people think uh, if they don't have anybody depending on their income, they really don't need life insurance. Uh, 
Are you uh, believe we should, people should wait, or should they buy term and invest the difference, or cash value? What is your, your right. where do you come down on that? If you don't have any independent, if you don't have any dependents, people who are relying on your income, you don't need life insurance. That's one of the areas where you actually can save some money. Um, if you do have dependents, you have children or somebody who's relying on your income, then you need life insurance. And the kind that I you know, strongly recommend people is getting term life insurance because it's the least expensive. And you know, a term life insurance policy coupled with, say, a 401k with matching is a great way to go. You know, there are a lot of these cash value life insurance policies, and they sound great because they they say, oh, they have a savings pocket on the side. But the problem is they're often so expensive, the fees you pay are really, really expensive, and they're not worth it. So if you need life insurance, I'm a real advocate buying term insurance and investing in tax-favored plans like 401ks and Roth IRAs. Well, about the minute we have less, we have there's much more mm-hmm. you talk about in your book about taxes and using the military and so on, but why don't you just kind of sum up the situation for young people today and how they don't need to be scared by all the things that things that they go on if they get their financial life in better order. Right. I think there's a lot of information out there. People are overwhelmed. They're hearing about all this crazy stuff going on in the financial markets. But the bottom line is if you pay off your high-rate debts, if you sign up for your 401K with matching, if you preserve and protect your credit score, that's essential. If you do those things, you know, basically paying your bills on time, sign up for automatic savings and automatic bill paying, You'll be well in your life to getting a financial life. Well, thanks so much, Beth. This has been really terrific. There's lots of good information. We've only got to scratch the surface on your book. Mm-hmm. Again, people can find out more about it at getafinanciallife.com or your website is www.coblinercom I guess you answer emails from people as well, correct? Absolutely. Terrific. Well, thanks so much. And Thank you, I hope Jordan. you enjoyed it. And we'll be back again next week. Thank Great. you. Thanks. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.